Every time I appreciate the, um, the strength of relationship, the level of commitment, the seriousness with which you take sending, the keenness with which you receive back the reports, I just feel so honoured and so blessed. And I feel so much more for those like Julio and others that are, don't have that level of support. And part of what God has given us is to, in some way, um, maybe through visits, maybe through telephone and uh, email, to be that kind of uh, connection to to have that relational involvement. Uh, it's not the same, but uh, it's something which I can see the need for and, and which I know the brothers deeply appreciate. Matthew chapter 26. Just after Jesus is with his disciples and just after uh, Judas has been revealed as the betrayer, they're breaking bread. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. This is basically before his body was, was broken. It leads, led to where we stand today, being the body of Christ. And he took the cup and gave thanks and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The whole theme, as you know, through the Bible was that covenants were sealed by the shedding of blood. This was the covenant that exceeded all other covenants. This was the shedding of the blood of the one and only Son of God himself which ushered in, made the way for this new covenant which we live under and uh, enjoy and gain so much from today. So we're going to take a time on this special day to take the bread and take the wine and remember who he is and what he's done as we share together. What I'd like you to do this time is you take some bread. And stewards, if you'd just come and pass the bread out, please. Maybe to each row or something like that. I'd like you to take opportunity. And by the way, as always, if you're visiting or here for the first time, 
you don't feel comfortable to join in anything, that's fine. It's okay. Nobody's forced. You can just sit it out and just uh, see what others are doing or whatever you prefer to do. Equally, you're welcome to join in everything that we're doing. As you do that, as you share the bread, I'd like you to pray one for another. So you're probably better to do it in twos. And pray the same prayer. That there comes an increased revelation, an increase, an increase in understanding of just what it is that he's done. The same prayer that we prayed at the beginning. Let's be consistent in being focused on what we're asking God to do for us at this time. may be easier to stand to do that, so you can move around if you want to. If there's somebody you particularly want to pray with and break bread with, it's fine. You can get up and go to them. You're not restricted to just being where you are. After they'd taken the bread, he then took the cup and gave thanks. Offered it to them. Drink from it, each one of you. This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. <clears throat> All right, let's continue in that theme. But I do want to read part of this familiar story. But our prayer is that in all these things that we'll enjoy the work of the Holy Spirit giving us renewed and refreshed and additional revelation. You probably have experienced the same as I have that in the course of looking at the scriptures and maybe singing different songs, there are times which particular things or particular phrases stick with you to a point that it really never leaves you. It's, it, it becomes, if you like, part of the key revelation or understanding that you live with as you follow the Lord. And I want to just reflect around one of those uh, this morning. I'm going to read from uh, Matthew 27, verse 35, or a few verses. Verse 35, Matthew 27. When they crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right, one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you're the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. 
He trusts in God. Let God rescue him. Now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthithia, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. I don't know where I want to be when I get to heaven. Be honest, there are days that I'd rather just be with the Pentecostals because they're allowed to respond and say something. <laughs> you, know, you know, we're just so studious and silent. I think I... There are days I think I would fit better there, you know. Hmm. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Many women were there watching from a distance. They'd followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of Zebedee's sons. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in clean linen cloth and placed it in his own new tomb that he'd had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he's been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered, go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, went to look at the tomb. It was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. 
for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. He is not here. He has risen. He's not here. He's risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He's risen from the dead. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you. Wow. Let me go back for a moment. I want to share these things with you just to kind of help us and then we'll come into a time of using some of the relevant songs to worship. Verse 36. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. What they saw was not much different to what people see today. I don't ever want to be numbered with those who can see and somehow not be affected. That would be just horrendous. So what did they see? He just unmoved. It wasn't a particular unusual event of crucifixion. They saw, but they didn't see. There's the key. They saw what was happening, but they didn't see with the eyes of understanding as to what was really happening there. Just idly looked on. Some would say, well, he was a good man. Others would say he was a prophet. Others would say he was a crank. Yeah, he was a loser. He was a troublemaker. But for those who gained the supreme privilege of insight, understanding, revelation, they saw he was sacrifice. He was sacrificing himself. He was the way to God. And he was the son of God. That's what people saw. Let's just kind of put ourselves in the scene for a little minute. What did he see as he hung there on the cross? Two robbers heaping insults on him. From the other version, we, from the other gospel, we learned that one turned and cried for help. Passers-by hurling insults. Pretty much the same as today. The name of the Lord taken in vain. It's sort of fairly normal stuff. I don't want to be ever reduced down to normality. You know, we've seen, we've seen. And we want to keep on seeing. We want to learn more and know more and appreciate more and gain a new and increased understanding. Priests mocking. Yeah, it's probably not a lot different today. The vanity, the foolishness, the irrelevance of religion, just mocking him. Women, yeah, they kept watch from afar and the disciples did. Soldiers gambling for his clothes. Interesting, when we read the other gospel, he saw his mother and even at that point, charged John to take care of her, demonstrating that his heart of care went way beyond himself. 
saw the great need, asked his father to forgive them there and then. He saw an equality. He saw everybody in need. Whether they were rich or poor or Greek or Jew or clever or, or dull, whether they were black or white or whatever background they came from, he saw every single person in need. See, he was seeing things that he imparts for us to see in the same way. Some turned away. Others responded to his love. One thief turned away. One soldier turned to him and said, Surely he's the Son of God. He saw that he was dying for all. He saw his followers frightened, but he didn't reject them. He saw the full weight of sin and rejection and suffering. Let's just think for a minute the process. Because sometimes we can get caught up in the process and miss out the point that God has for us. Why was he there? Well, Judas, he was caught up with materialism. And basically, he valued money more than anything else. Contributory factor to Jesus being there. Pilate, in a position of power, but without integrity, operated cowardly, did not fulfill his rightful role. Soldier, well, I was only doing my job. Well, that's what I'm employed to do. I just follow orders. You know, thinking that that would absolve responsibility. Crowds of people being carried along, just what everyone else is doing. Just part of the crowd. Just able to see without seeing. Just on the broad way with the masses rather than the narrow way which is not carried along by popular feeling and popular attitudes. Religious leaders pursuing their dogma, their tradition, their positions. Yeah, he would have seen all that and loved them all, and forgave them. Of course, we also understand from the scripture that he wasn't left without friends. He could have called 12 legions of angels at any moment in time. But he chose to lay down his life. Nobody took it from him. He laid it down. John 10, 18 tells us that. So we have the account in Isaiah. Let me just read it to you. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we consider him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. Our, kind of means us. Yeah. 
He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, we're healed. The Bible tells us that he laid down his life for us. Christ once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he may bring us to God. Kind of makes sin rather serious, doesn't it? Once you understand the price that Jesus paid, that we be freed from sin, any idea of continuing in sin, even that which the world doesn't consider sin. A few lies here, a little bit of jealousy there. Once you actually see the price that he paid, that we be freed from all those things, it kind of makes it a bit serious to ever continue in that. But the good news is, of course, that his death and resurrection dealt with sin utterly and completely. We receive complete forgiveness, utter cleansing. We're delivered, we're set free, we're transformed. Heaven is opened unto us. I love those words that the angel spoke. Who are you looking for? He's not here. Well, he's risen as he said he would. Just sharing this so that we can, we can't, we don't just gloss over it because the danger is when it's so familiar, we can just say, yeah, yeah. I can't do what the Holy Spirit can do. But we have asked and we are asking. And I honestly believe that as we seriously put our request before God, that we could before we ever go out of this place today, come into a, a renewed, refreshed, increased revelation of who he is and what he's done. Let's come, take a little time to worship, use some songs that will be helpful to us in that. We continue to look to God for his, his input, his help, the revelation of his Holy Spirit that enables us to actually move into a different place to where we would otherwise be.
Sura Mata, 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 S
death on Calvary, but then giving us the outcome, the result, the sharing in the victory. But we can declare with the angel, no, he's not here. He's risen. Hallelujah. He's risen. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, let's lift our voices to him. Blessed be his name. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, nothing today or tomorrow, nothing high or low, nothing thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. You're the Lion of Judah, the Lamb was slain. You ascended to heaven, and heaven will reign. At the end of the age, when the earth you reclaim, you will gather the nations before you. And the eyes of all men will be fixed on the Lamb who was crucified.
There's a shield in our hands and a sword at our side. There's a fire in our spirits that cannot be denied. But the Father has told us for this and right. For the nations to gather before you. And the ears of all men need to hear of the Lamb who was crucified. To help, yet was a race up to rest at the father's side at the end of the cry.
to hear of the cry of our heart. King Jesus, one raised from the dead, one raised to set us free, one raised to place our feet on solid ground, one raised to give us an eternal promise of seeing you face to face, of joining with the angels, of singing, Hail Lamb, all hail the Lamb, resurrected Christ, bringer of peace, bringer of life, healer, Messiah, Holy One, exalted King, reigning on high, everlasting to everlasting, we worship you this morning. We raise our voices. We cry out to you, Lord Jesus. Holy is the Lamb. Holy is the Lamb. Holy is the Lamb that was slain. That lives forever and ever. All honor is yours. All worship is yours. Shut up. That verse about um, the curtain of the temple being torn in two just always brings me back to this thought that prior to Jesus' death, the presence of God was behind this massive curtain and only in the temple, in the holy place. And, you know, that was so mysterious to people. And, you know, people kind of believed it was there, but they weren't really sure because they were never allowed to go there. And only the priest could go there once a year. And it was really, you know, a very strange and mysterious concept. And I felt like God was reminding us that, you know, for us, it's like that. Before we experience that relationship with him it's a very mysterious and strange concept that you could go into the presence of God and we're kind of told it's true but we don't really think it probably isn't in our head and and I just felt like God wanted to say to us that's what I did I the, the curtain of the temple which separated you and me was torn in two that was that was what I did for you and you know it is true if you think it's a strange weird kind of mysterious thing but God says no it's true you can come right into the presence of God you can come right into my presence and meet me and be with me and know me in a way which you would never have thought possible let's hear that I want to just take you back for a minute to what I said earlier on that's not a thing that anybody here can do. In fact, even the very desire for it really can't. It's not a natural thing. The Bible tells us it's God who works in us to create the desire as well as give the ability to do His will. What I do know is you have a choice. You have a choice, you can just sit it out, and that's choice. You have a choice, say, Lord, I want the experience of coming in to the presence, the thing that Lucy was just talking about. 
And I'm believing from what your word declares and the truth that you've made away. Here's an old hymn. And can it be that I, that I should gain an interest in my Savior's blood, that he did it for me? Oh, yes, for the whole world, but for me. He died for me. I caused his pain. Amazing love. How can it be that you, my God, died for me? There is a place of the presence. Lisa spoke about it last week, about the presence, about the glory. We've heard just now about the curtain being torn holy of holies being made available that symbol of coming into the place of his presence it's not a once a year thing it's a place that he wants for us ask God sit it out that's okay but if you want let's, let's ask him can it be that I this is a personal thing that I gain an interest I'm involved I have an interest in this it's for me. And there's a release. I was imprisoned, restricted by who I am, restricted by sin. But then God intervened. It was a time of intervention. My chains fell off. My heart was free. Wow. And can it be that I should gain an interest in my Savior's blood?
their chains falling off? Anybody ever experienced a place of freedom? Kind of. Let me ask it again. Anybody ever experienced being released, being set free? Let me explain it a little bit. We're beginning to get it. Like there was something that you couldn't get rid of, a resentment, a bitterness, an anger, that you were dogged with something that you'd done that you could never feel freed and clean from. Anybody ever experienced that being dealt with by the power of God? Yes. Praise His name. Oh, hallelujah. All right. Well, by popular request, let's come back... Uh, Packs to that when we started off with Christ arose. I wasn't going to, but of course you all wanted to. But Johnny will sing it then. All right. There will be a slight technical interlude. Are you glad that Christ rose from the dead? Tell somebody what difference it makes to you.
something to celebrate. <laughs> he arose. Hallelujah. He's not here. He's risen. He sent his comforter to be with us. Praise God. Take your seats a moment. Have you found the sheep that went astray? Yeah, he's there, yeah. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Richard Griffin, that pastoral force amongst us, has found the one that was lost. We must welcome him. We must welcome Wilco. Wilco! (laughs) 
Wilco, of course, as you all know, is already finding his place amongst us. I don't know what Richard did with him earlier on, but anyway, we've got him now. <laughs> Father, we just pray that as you're causing this man to come into your kingdom, be joined to you, be part of the body, and to function in that way, that you would anoint him way beyond natural skills and ability, even as we see you doing. Lord, that you would use him mightily for your kingdom's sake. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Good to have you here. Amen. Okay. Let's fellowship together. If you'd like prayer, then the prayer team will be here. Uh, make sure you seize that opportunity. Now, when it comes to praying this week, just listen a moment. Um, Angela shared something with me, which I think particularly pertains to when we're praying for Julio. So we're going to get you, Angela, to get Wilco to put that in the news flash so we've got it ready for Wednesday when we pray. Yeah? Okay, thank you very much. All right, so fellowship and then come together. Don't forget um, governmental prayer. Come together. If you want prayer now, here's the place to come. <laughs>